Bhagavad Gita is a book of mankind's collected experience of and answers to life's most basic questions. Who I am? From where do I come? What is my purpose and destiny? And most practically, how do I find happiness? These podcasts originate in the lectures of Neil Bhatt, a disciple of Swami Chinmayananda. They are presented here in 20 to 30 minute segments, each covering three of the Gita's 701 verses. Welcome to Gita Wisdom for Daily Living. We had been discussing chapter 8, Aksara Brahma Yoga, Yoga of Imperishable Brahma. And as we have seen so far, the first four verses gave us the nature of the Brahman, the eminence and transcendence of Brahman, that everything they can think about, Kshara and Akshara, is all Brahman. It's all his manifestation. And then, In the next few verses, we have seen that how at the time of death, death of the state of existence, death of this thought, death of ego, that how one can recognize that permanence of the self. And last few verses, Bhagavan had been giving us the word picture of that imperishable Brahman. So we have seen the Kavim Puranam Anusasitaram, that he is omniscient, he is ancient, and he is having the lordship over everything, Anusasitaram. But that picture also doesn't give us the complete picture. So he is Anoraniyam Sam Anusmaridhyaha. He is minuter than minute. It is not something we can paint a picture in our head or formulate a form in our head. So anything we can formulate a form is not him. It is beyond capacity of our intellect. And he's sarvasya dhataram achinte rupam. He's the supporter of all and it cannot be thought of. Aditya varnam tamasaha parastat. He's self-effulgent. It does not require any other means to know him. By its very nature, he reveals himself. So it, awareness itself is him. I need to be aware of an object. For an object to be known, I have to be aware of it. So my awareness is necessary to make that object revealed to myself. But my awareness itself does not require anything to be known to me. Awareness itself makes itself available. So the next few verses, it talked about the prayanakala. And we have seen the difference between antakala and prayanakala. Prayanakala is the time of departure. You know, I may be coming back. My departure may be for going now and coming back again. Antakala is the last, end of it. I'm not going anywhere. Once I go there, I'm not coming back. See, so the one who at the time of departure focus on the nature of the self, he will also achieve that realization of the impermanence. So the whole goal we have seen so far is gaining the experience of something which we have not experienced before. Gaining the experience of something we had been striving 
all our life knowingly or unknowingly knowingly or unknowingly we had been trying to find a state of existence where there is no sorrow there is no imperfection there is no unhappiness that state we are constantly struggling to achieve by all other means all the means which are available to us through our equipment with body mind and intellect and we try and employ all three of them to achieve the state of perfection where there is no unhappiness there is no sorrow there is no disease and as bhagwan buddha found out there is nothing like that in this world so there got to be a place or state because otherwise we won't be striving for it if health is not my nature i won't be striving for health i'll be very happy be unhealthy but that's not my natural state of my existence therefore as soon as something happens i run to the doctor fix it so unhappiness also cannot be a natural thing to me however i'm constantly unhappy so what should i be doing to achieving that so verse we have seen last is yat aksaram vedavido vadanti that imperishable state which the norse veda talks about that there is a state where all that you are seeking is available visanti yat yoho vitaragaha people give up everything in life to achieve that state yadichanto brahmacharyam charanti by desiring that people practice brahmacharya last time as we have seen brahma acharatiti brahmachari one who is reveling or pursuing the path of brahman is a brahmachari karma acharatiti karmachari one who is following the path of actions is a karmachari in hindi as we have discussed last time the clerks are called karmacharis but you know one who is their boss is called adhyaksha adhyaksha one who keeps eye on them is adhyaksha so we are karmachari in all over day to day life because we constantly think what is next that i want to do i have done this i have been there what is next somebody says take a cruise i have done it tell me something else which i can do because we are constantly the what is about what would be our next action brahmacharya is constantly seeking how do i become one with the brahman is brahmachari and who is adhyaksha in this case our consciousness adhyaksha keeping eye on what's happening is adhyaksha see tatte pada sangrahena pravakshya i'm going to tell you that state of existence which you had been seeking all your life and you tried everything so far but i have not achieved so i'm going to tell you in a summary so the next few verses now bhagwan explains how that state can be achieved so the next verse is sarva dwarani samyamya mano hrudi niruddhyacha murthni adhaya atmanah pranam astito yogadharana this obviously explaining the technique of meditation we want to experience that state i cannot be experiencing in our day to day life but at least i can have a glimpse in my meditation so in meditation what i get is a glimpse of that state where there is no unhappiness there is no sorrow but that cannot be just a 20 minutes a day or 30 minutes a day 
or once in a morning or once in the evening. It has to be continuous state of existence. Because I'm not seeking a temporary happiness. I'm seeking permanent happiness. It says, Sarva Dwarani Samyamya. So far, everything that I have experienced as unhappiness is because of my sense perception. When I see that temperature outside is not conducive to my liking, because I feel it, then I feel unhappy. So senses are telling me when it is conducive or unconducive. If those information is not available to me, then I will not know. Just as in my deep sleep, I'm not aware what temperature the room is, what's happening outside, is Donald Trump is winning or Hillary Clinton is ahead. None of that is existence in my deep sleep. So the first thing we notice is these senses which are causing this agitation in my mind. So Sarva Dvarani Samyamya. Let's experience what happens when I close all the gates of information. You know, people who take retreat, these days it's very difficult to take one retreat because 10 years or 20 years ago when we used to take retreat, they will say, you can't take radio with you. You can't take anything with you. So don't listen to radio and don't listen to television. Well, that was easy. But well, now people take phone. You know, the phone, everything is television and is on your phone. Because the idea of retreat was that you're constantly bombarded with this information which distracts you. Well, at least for that week, you're cut off from the world outside. What's happening politically, what's happening in your profession, all that you're not listening. So this takes that idea to an extreme and say, close all your senses when you sit down in meditation. Sarva Dwarani Samyami, controlling all your gates. Mano Hrudi Nirudhyacha, placing your mind in your heart. In a sense, placing your mind which was running outside in a day-to-day life, the mind's job is to go outside and get information. It's the clerk who is gathering all the data from outside and reporting it to intellect, the adhyaksha, giving it to intellect to decipher the data. Make the mind inward, hrudi, means inward, basically to your, on yourself. Focus, your thoughts should be only one and one alone. Who am I? What is my real self? Is that the thought? One single thought. Murdhni adhaya atmanaha. Having your pranas in your head. Now this looks like a very high level yogic exercises. Now it can be. But you can look at it in many different ways. At our level... This is a technique of a meditation when at least for those 20 minutes you're trying to cut off yourself from this world. You cut off yourself from your senses. Cut off your, all your mind from running out and turn inward. And then say, Murdhni Adai Atmanaha. Focus all your pranas into your head. Now to sit down for meditation and see where you feel any life at that time. All your focus will be on your head. Therefore, in the technical meditation, chapter 6, we say, focus your mind between your two eyebrows. Because you're not aware of rest of the body. You're dropping all your awareness about the rest of the body. You're focusing on the one thing, one thing alone, your computer, which is functioning at that time, you know, in your head. He said, placing your pranas, all the activity, the physiological activities happening in your body, 
you're only aware of what's happening in your mind at the head at the time. Therefore, the pranayam helps. Why pranayam helps? Because first you focus on the breathing. Right now I'm focusing on everything that is happening in my body. My legs are moving, my hands are moving, my lips are moving. When doing meditation, you stop thinking about your legs and hands and mouth and you start only start thinking about what's happening in your mind. So all the pranas which are functioning. So when you first start focusing only on your breath, you're not focusing on anything else which is going on in your body. And that puts you in a state where mind will calm down and then you can just focus on who I am. So only one thought and one thought alone. Pranam astitaha yoga dharanam. One who has been practicing this over and over and over again, he can achieve the state of meditation very easily. And the next verse says, Omiti ek aksaram brahma. This is truly a technique of meditation we have learnt in chapter 6. He's putting it again in a very succinct manner for you to understand what is the goal of meditation. The goal of meditation to give us a glimpse what that state where there is no limitation, where there is no unhappiness, there is no sorrows, just bliss. So, so once you have now controlled your senses and your mind and your pranas, Omiti ek aksaram brahma, vyaharan mam anusmaran, chant with one syllable Om, which is the sound symbol of God. God can be pictured in many different ways. But the simplest and non-distracting form is the word Om. And we have seen before the Om represents the creation, sustenance and destruction, or the past, present and future. But that one word contains everything that needs to be known about the, the self. So it said, Vyaharan Maam Anusmaran, who is uttering that one syllable Om. Maam Anusmaran. Om also don't get focused in love. Let me write a treatise on Om. I'm thinking about that self which is all pervading and the Om is just representing it. So I'm uttering Om. First you can start chanting out loud, then gradually lower your pitch and then just chant in your mind constantly thinking about that oneself and oneself alone which pervades everywhere and chanting Om Yah Prayati Tyajandeham one who leaves this body you can consider that as your death that at the time of death one who does this all this which we have learned in this last two verses we all have known looking at people who have died in front of your eyes it is not possible at the time of death, you are not there to meditate. You have no control over what's happening. So this is the death in your meditation of your identification with your body, mind and intellect. Yaha prayati tyajandeham The complete detachment from the identification with this body in my meditation. You know. Sa yati paramam getting. He experiences that supreme state of existence. If you perfect your meditation to a point that I can control all my senses, I can control my mind, I can control all my physiological functions into the one thought and one thought alone, 
is my supreme self, and then keep chanting that and focusing on that, I will experience that bliss. Sayati Paramam Gatim. He experiences that supreme bliss, which is the goal of your life. The next verse says, Ananya Chetaha Satatam Yomam Smarati Nityasaha. Now that we have learned the technique of meditation, we think that, okay, if I do that every morning and every evening, I'll be cleansed of all my wrongdoings during the day. The people normally think it's a cleansing, just like going into the Catholic Church and what do you call it, confessions. So once I confess, all my past you know, sins are wiped out, now I'm fresh, new, to go and commit new sins. That's what I do. As soon as I, I come out from my doctor's office, I have uh, fasted a night before, and then he does all the blood work and blood, blood pressure and all that. I feel so good that I stop by Starbucks to get the cafe mocha, which is loaded with sugar, because I think I'm, I'm now deserving. <laughs> I've been fasting last night. I'd been to the doctor. I'm taking medication. No problem. So our idea of meditation is once I've meditated and experienced this bliss, I'm now holier than thou, I can do. Bhagavan said, let's be clear about it. Ananya chetaha satatam yomam smarati nityasaha. It is not just at the time of meditation that I think about the Supreme Self, that I'm not this body, I'm not this mind, I'm not this intellect, but all throughout the day. All throughout my existence, Nit is constantly thinking about me as the supreme goal. Tasyaham sulabaha. For such a person, I'm very easy. We think it's the most difficult thing in our life to experience the presence of God. Because we all concluded there's a good Sunday morning, it kind of gives us some joy and happiness, but not going to happen in my lifetime. That's our normal conclusion, even before we start. Bhagavan gives assurance that it is very easy. Tasyaham sulabaha, I'm very easy. Partha, nitya yuktasya yoginaha. The person who is constantly thinking about ananya chetaha, who cannot think of anything else but me. We think of Bhagavan also. I mean, none of us can say that we have not thought about Bhagavan. We do. We also claim ourselves to be bhakta. But we fall into those, out of the four categories we have learned before, the artaha, artharthi, jignasu, and gnani. I fall very easily into first three categories at one time or other. Artaha, anytime I have a problem, oh, Bhagavan, please take care of me. So I'm artha. Artharthi, every time I go to NBJ, Bhagavan, take care of it, you know. So artharthi. Jignasu, learned Bhagavad Gita. Why? I want to know what it's all about. Where I fail is the last gnani part. You know. That gnani is the one who knows without any second that all that I consider to be me is impermanence. My equipment, my accomplishment. But I am something other than that. So Bhagavan said, one who is ananya cheta, he is not thinking about anything but that. So, every time I think about Bhagavan for something else, I'm actually, Bhagavan is secondary. That my goal is primary. 
my son calls me up and says, Dad, I'm at college and I need some money. And if I call him up and say, okay, I'll be there tomorrow and can give you some money. So, Dad, I'll be very glad to see you. Now, what is primary for him? Seeing Dad or seeing Dad's money? He will be glad to see Dad, but because he's bringing money. So, the money is primary, Dad is secondary. So, same way we say, Bhagawan, I really want you to take care of me. I'm your devotee. Bhagawan is secondary. What you're going to give me is primary. But he said, one who makes Bhagawan primary, constantly thinking about him as the real self. Ananyacheta satatam yomam smarati. He didn't say the constantly do nothing but just... He remembers me. There's one person I never have to claim that I forget, ever. Somebody says, well, who loves you most? My mother I love most. Well, I may get in trouble with my wife, but I love my mother most. That means, that means I think about my mother. But there are times I don't think about my mother. I think about something else. So I would say that's also not true. There must be somebody who you never forget. I say, that's me. I never forget about myself. I'm constantly in thinking about myself. That's Maran. I never have to remind myself. Everything else I have to sometime to jog myself into memory and say, oh, my mother is there, my mother is not there, my, my cousins are there, my wife is there, my children are there. But about myself, that's Maran. I never have to remind myself. That is a constant jap going on in my mind. This is me. This is what I'm doing. So that's Maran. When this changes from who do I think I am right now, to who I supposed to be. You see, for such a person, tasyaham sulabha partha, for such a person, very easy. He's doing everything in his life, but as an instrument, not ever forgetting that he's that all-pervading, imperishable self. Nitya yuktasya yogina. Because he makes that meditation constant. That meditation which I experienced in that exercise of detaching myself from the body, detaching myself from the mind, that he makes it permanent for him. He constantly remember that. And then he says, Maam upetya punar janma. We are all always into profit, return on investment, you know, ROI. What is the ROI here? He is the ROI, he said. Maam upetya punar janma. Dukkhalayam asaswatam na apnuvanti mahatmanaham. Samsiddhim Paramam Gataha. Those Mahatmas, those great souls who figured out that this is impermanence. My permanent self is that imperishable, all-pervading self. Samsiddhim, one who has achieved the Siddhi by Abhyas, a constant practice of that thought. That one thought and one thought alone that this is not me, myself is this all-pervading self. And all other things and beings are nothing but manifestation of the same self. Such a Mahatma, Dukkhalayam Asaswatam Na Apnuvant. He never gets that Punarjanma. See, our Rishis figured out in the beginning of Upanishadic thought, they were always constantly talking about Amrita, immortality. They wanted to achieve immortality. So, all these Puranic stories about this nectar comes out of the ocean, devas drank and asuras, they didn't want them. 
because their goal was immortality. And then when the thought developed a little further, they realized that that's not the goal. Immortality is not the goal. No rebirth is the goal. Not taking a birth is the goal. Taking birth is the causation, is the beginning of all the pains that I have. If you have to think about it, you have to go back to elementary school again, looking at Medha and say, thank God I don't have to go through all of this again. You think about it, you have to go through over and over and over again. SSC exam every time. Every time the same anxiety about whether I'm going to go to medical college or chemical engineering or what am I going to do. It's the column, whether you like it or not. Everything which I've achieved and now think that it at one point gave me a lot of pains. You know? So Bhagavan said, this state of existence starting with your birth is nothing but dukkhal, asasva, impermanent. Everything I thought at the time, once I achieve, I'll be happy. It turned out to be not that. Something else I have to achieve to be happy. So he said, no apnuvanti mahatmas. Those mahatmas will not achieve that rebirth again. He never have to go through that ever again. That, you know. Paramam gataha, because they achieved the highest state of existence. So there is no rebirth. You don't have to go back again and again. Even in meditation, we say, well, I had a very good meditation yesterday. So, but today, but today I didn't have a good meditation. Well, what happened? Yesterday you had good meditation. Nothing has changed. You are the same. You sat at the same place. Yeah, but I was a little upset. So even that meditation was impermanent. was not permanent. That happiness was also not permanent. But it says those who are practice this to a point that nothing outside can affect them. And they achieve that siddhi, he never have to come back again into the state of unhappiness. This is where we will stop. Om Sarve Bhavantu Sukhina Sarve Santu Niramayaha Sarve Bhadrani Pashyantu Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Hari Hiyo